0: According to fbi statistics someone is arrested every three seconds in the united states every episode me and my team of researchers will bring you the details behind these stories hear from witnesses police transcripts victims and even the accused be warned though this show may contain content that not all listeners can handle i'm your host andrew and this is a crime show Season 6, Episode 8 Clip Show. This week, I thought we would take a look back at some of the older episodes that new viewers may not have heard and kind of catch up on things around here, so to speak. Lots of exciting projects in the works, and I think you're all going to really enjoy what we come up with. Our first clip is going to be from Season 4, Episode 2, where we looked at the very strange case of Austin Myers. Shreveport is located in the northwestern corner of Louisiana, near the borders of Texas and Arkansas, or Arkansas, depending who you ask in the area. When you do a Google search for Shreveport, The first question people also ask is if Shreveport is safe. Statistics from 2017 list it as the 146th safest city in the United States. Unfortunately the time frame we will be looking at today is from 2004, December of 2004 to be specific, but first let's meet the subject of our story. Austin Myers was born August 5th of 1987, which if you don't feel like doing the math would put him at 17 during this time. His parents are David Myers, who lists his occupation as working for the United States Postal Service, and Melissa Myers. Despite some extensive research by our team, there wasn't much information we could gather about her. His parents do seem to still be married and living happily in Louisiana. Austin was their only son. By all accounts, Austin was a perfectly happy child. His home life was good. He had many friends in the neighborhood that he enjoyed playing sports and video games with. There were no extenuating circumstances that would lead him to be featured on a show like this, except one. In speaking with some of Austin's high school classmates, we learned something began changing around freshman year of high school. His once happy and outgoing personality became more aggressive and closed off. Not unusual for someone at that age. Hormones and all of that stuff, right? Well, there may have been something else that happened around this time that caused a dramatic change in his demeanor. October 26th of 2004 was a big day for a lot of people. According to the website TakeMeBack.2 for this date, you can see that the movie National Treasure was one of the most viewed releases at the time as if you didn't already know that late 2004 was a weird time. It also lists music people were listening to at the time as Usher, and video games that might have been played as Bejeweled 2 and Ape Escape Academy. They did leave one game off of the list. The 26th was a Tuesday, which has commonly been a day for new video game releases. And this was a big one.
1: Welcome to San Andreas, I'm CJ from Grove Street. Land of the heinous gangbangers in cold heat. And Los Santos, neighbors get no sleep. Beefing with anybody, competing even police. Go deep in the green rag with gold feet. Blast with the flag on a strap. That's OG. Stay in shape, hit the gym, lift the weights. Get super cut, a big and buff, nice and straight. You got stats, respect, weapon, skill, stamina, muscle, fat, and sex appeal. You get clothes from bingos and Pro prolapse, suburban zip, victim, and desatch. Watch your back when in rival hoods. They'll test just to guess if your survival's good. hood. Ducking shells at the and bell. Jump out, busting, gunning till they tuck the tail. It come like I'm on impossible mission I'm to mission with this predicament hostel position tampany and palaski harass me cop cars been on i ass the last past week cuz the dreas for the gangsters all oh boy pants is the language for the bang this oh
0: boy grand theft auto san andreas is the 7th game in the grand theft auto series published by rockstar games much like the previous grand theft auto games for playstation 2 san andreas is a third person open world game with nearly unlimited interactions. The main story focuses on Carl C.J. Johnson, who returns to his hometown to bring together his old gang and solve the mystery of his mother's murder. Unfortunately, we won't have time to get into that story today. We have a totally different crime to look into. San Andreas was met with a lot of praise after it was released. It currently holds a 95 on Metascore, with scores of 100 from such reviewers as Electronic Gaming Monthly, Games Radar, Game Informer, and IGN. Many of the reviews refer to it as a masterpiece. There are really no games like it. The best game on the PlayStation 2. And a manifesto for every future video game. So why am I bringing up this old video game? because it may play an important role in why we are discussing Austin Myers. Reading from the Parental Advisory on IMDb under Violence and Gore, Players can choose to kill enemies and civilians in any number of ways, including knives, guns, baseball bats, grenades, and vehicular slaughter. Heads can be shot off. The player can kill just about anyone they feel like. Breaking traffic laws and assaulting people for their money is encouraged. Killing will result in spurts of blood and, quite rarely, an exploding head. Gore is very rare. The player can also kill police officers in the same ways, but doing so will cause their wanted rating to increase as a punishment. One of these things is going to be really important later, but first we need to meet a very important person to this story. Jamie Walters was in the same grade as Austin. She was an average student at best, and after school activities were never really her thing, which may have been due to a difficult home life with divorced and constantly bickering parents. Much like most teenagers in high school, she would much rather spend her time out of the house at a party or wandering aimlessly through local stores instead of doing homework there's one more important fact about Jamie she was Austin Meyer's on-and-off girlfriend throughout high school why on and off there was a very poorly kept secret about Jamie she had a bad temper A temper that was made even worse when she had been drinking usually resulting in violence When our researchers spoke to some of her friends at the time, they had no shortage of stories of what would happen if he did something to make Jamie mad. One friend brought up an incident where Jamie had taken a half-filled bottle of vodka into the front yard of her grandparents' house, took a drink, and threw the bottle against a nearby lamp pole, breaking the bottle into a thousand shards and sending her scrambling back inside before the police could arrive. Another noted an argument they were having over the recent release of Green Day's Boulevard of Broken Dreams. Their argument ended with the two girls having to be pulled apart with each having a handful of the other's hair. Jamie's friends told us that these kind of outbursts were a big part of why her and Austin would break up. He just wanted to avoid the drama. Then before anyone knew it, they would be back together again. For all their differences, sometimes you are just attracted to who you are attracted to. Now that we have that out of the way, I had mentioned this old video game, right? Grand Theft Auto was Austin's favorite series. He played the previous games to the point that discs would need to be replaced. These weren't games of fantasy where a plumber occasionally jumped on a turtle. These were real-life recreations of violence against humans, and Austin couldn't get enough. The signs weren't obvious like they were with Jamie. He wasn't acting out violently or in any other ways. However, it could have been boiling underneath the surface, slowly leading to the events in December of 2004. (laughs) Now it's time for everyone's favorite thing to hear in a podcast, ads. You know what all the showers say, sometimes crime does pay. That's what we call fans of This Is A Crime Show, by the way. We do need those showers to turn into growers by going to Apple Podcasts and leaving us a five-star review and some positive comments. Anything less than five and are you really any better than the people you hear about on this show? It also joins SoundCloud users like Marcus Gordon, who said, Can't stop listening to this, or Anna, who said, Terrific production. We really appreciate the positive feedback and hope to hear from you soon. Morning drive got you down? Tired of hearing these phony zoo style shows or people just laugh at the hint of something being funny? Maybe you're stuck with some boomers retelling their favorite World Series moments from the 1950s. Real cool, grandpa. Then you need D-Money and the P-Pterodactyl. Mornings from six to nine on 96.7 KRAB the crab. D and the Dactyl put their own spin on the week's news and pop culture with their prehistoric punchlines that are right on the money. These guys definitely have the skills to pay the bills. Let's listen to a clip now. The big thing in my mind after watching this, did Carol really feed her first husband to the Tigers? <laughs> like, her second husband. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know these people now, okay? <laughs> So the guy she's with now is her third husband. Yeah, remember she was married to the guy who she had a oh new, who was abusing yeah, the her abusive guy. and then like right. yeah okay yeah yeah you're right you're right. I, I <laughs> <laughs> these are all my homeboys now. You know how earlier I was like I was like yeah my third playthrough of Pokemon Shield and then like Taylor <laughs> called it out like you're probably like yeah like my third or fourth viewing of Tiger King. <laughs> That's D Money and the Pterodactyl mornings on 96 7 on your fm dial or download the podcast wherever it is that podcasts are found these days probably the internet or something it's dino mites and you can take that to the bank the next clip we have will take us all the way back to season two when in june of 2019 we interviewed ed kemper Maybe found out a few more things some other crime shows wouldn't have uncovered. Let's check it out. Thanks for agreeing to this interview, Ed. Did you catch that last season of Game of Thrones? There's a lot of controversy regarding it. A lot of people had issues with a lot of things. There was that whole battle with the Night King where you basically couldn't see anything. How did you feel about the direction and writing?
2: Well, I'm not an expert, I'm not an authority. I'm someone who has been a murderer for almost 20 years.
0: Yeah, speaking of which, that whole thing where the Mother of Dragons just burnt an entire city was a little insane. How many people do you think she took out? It would be a guess, but it's not it's far more than 35. I would also guess that it's a few more than that. The population of King's Landing is supposed to be around 500,000, and I'm guessing most of them were still there. Jamie and Cersei were among them. How did you feel about their characters? All of this storyline of them being together and then they aren't and then at the last second they're just going to die together. Seem kind of thrown together to make everyone happy.
2: They didn't give up. She didn't give up. I did. I came in out of the cold. And what I'm saying is there are some people who
0: prefer it in the cold. Speaking of the cold, Jon Snow had an interesting end. He starts off as this kind of outcast of a son. From this fairly powerful family, only to find out he is really who should technically be king. I think the battle against Ramsey was kind of his shining moments. They could have just ended it there and it would have been fine. After that it was him just making bad decision after bad decision. Do you draw any parallels from that to your own life?
2: I lived as an ordinary person most of my life, even though I was living a parallel and increasingly sick life other life one victim let me back in the car I locked myself out she opened the door for me my gun was under the seat what in the hell am I doing telling you that am I looking am I am I a masochist am I looking to be tormented further I'm trying to show you just how awful this got how commanding these rages got I was raging inside there was just incredible energies Positive and negative, uh, depending on a mood. That would trigger one or the other. And outside, I looked troubled at times. Other times, I looked moody. Uh, other times, perfectly serene. Not very sane. But again, people weren't even aware of what was happening.
0: Arya was another character that had a long story that a lot of people weren't terribly happy about. She's supposed to be this independent, strong female, yet when the big battle starts she needs some romance thrown in for no reason, plus most of the battles she was running around scared of everything. Then her arc finishes by sailing off somewhere, never to be seen again we assume. Have you had any strong female role models in your life?
2: Yes. I was also involved in killing coeds because my mother was associated with college work, college co-eds, women, and had had a very strong and violently outspoken position on men for much of my upbringing. My mother was a, a sick, angry, hungry, and very sad woman. I hated her, but I wanted to love my mother. And I watched the alcohol increase. I watched her social life drop off. I watched her get bizarre. She had terrible pain from her life, earlier life, her upbringing. uh, A failed marriage with my father. I'm a constant reminder of that failure.
0: One person I think they did do a good job with was Theon. His character never really changed from what it was supposed to be. The scene on the boat where he could have fought Euron to save his sister and instead he runs away I thought that was a good example in any other story that would be where he finally shows that he has the uh, parts he is missing but they went another way with it many people online refer to him as pathetic do you think pathetic is a good way to describe him?
2: I hate to distill it down into such uh in the one word realities like that. There's a lot that leads into that happening, but that is what happened.
0: I think the relationship between Grey Worm and Miss Sandy is one that a lot of people kind of overlooked. It seemed like they were one of the few romantic storylines that wasn't just thrown in there for whatever reason. There was a guy that had devoted his whole life to just being a warrior and not knowing how to approach women than a woman that had just been abused and told what to do her whole life, who was falling for someone she couldn't be sure had the same feelings. Would any of this be something you have experience with? My
2: frustration, my inability to communicate socially, sexually. I wasn't impotent, but emotionally I was impotent. I was scared to death of failing in male-female relationships. I knew absolutely nothing about that whole area. Even if just sitting down and talking with a young lady. I need to be able to really communicate and ironically enough that's why I began picking people up. And I'm picking up young women and I'm going a little bit farther each time. It's a daring kind of a thing. At first there wasn't a gun. I'm driving along. We go to a vulnerable place where there aren't people watching, where I could act out and I say, no, I can't and then a gun is in the car hidden and this craving this awful raging eating feeling inside i could feel it consuming my insides this fantastic passion uh it was overwhelming me it was like drugs it was like alcohol a little isn't enough at first it is And as you adjust to that, psychologically and physically, you take more and more and more. It's the same process. So it finally came down to the thing of, do I dare bring this gun out? Already realizing if that gun comes out, something has to happen. It was going to happen. I didn't see it then, but it was going to happen. I was playing a dangerous game with a loaded gun. It got us all.
0: One of my big issues in the last season was how they handled the dragons. Like, one of them gets hit by a giant ballista floating around on a boat, I'm not sure how they just didn't see all of those boats coming with the dragons flying around up there, and then they could shoot from super far away. Have you ever been able to hide a weapon that effectively?
2: In May of '72, when that gun was pulled out, I launched it out. I had it under my leg, out of sight, parallel to my to my leg in the seat. It was something that had been thought out in fantasy. Acted out, felt out, hundreds of times before it ever happened.
0: Another character that seemed to just kind of fail his way upward is Sam. He and Jon seem to kind of have the same character. Cast out from the family, join the Night's Watch, meet a girl you aren't supposed to, kill a White Walker, stumble across the biggest hidden secret in the country, and then he becomes the Grand Maester of the Six Kingdoms. All because he was this oafish guy who bumbled around into the right things. Certainly doesn't sound very cool.
2: I thought I was pretty slick. And went and tripped all over myself, that first two murders, the first 24 hours, there were three clear times I should have been busted. And I wasn't. Because three different individuals or three different groups of people got scared and minded their own business and looked the other way.
0: I think for me, my favorite parts of the show were the storylines until they kind of got messed up towards the end, and a lot of the action, and just the general mystery of what was going to happen. A lot of people were turned off by like the violence and stuff, though. What do you think drew you to this show?
2: Something out of my childhood. Um, I could put it on an incident. I mean, my father chopping the heads off of our two pet chickens and my mother insisting that I eat them for dinner. Uh, (laughs) You know, we could say it was something that simple. I don't think it was. Now, my dad heads out back with a hatchet. I got on my bike and I I tried to stop it. I remember that. I got on the bike, rode around the block. I was crying. I haven't talked about that for a lot of years. I'm sure that may have implemented something. That may have gotten something rolling but along fantasy lines, but it took a lot of years of development along those lines to really get off.
0: I guess that's enough about Game of Thrones. Let's get into what we should really be discussing. How terrible that second season of Westworld was. I had no idea what was going on half the time. I know in the first season it was kind of going back and forth, but it totally lost me. Especially when they were just building up Dolores and Teddy this whole time, and then how they ended. What did you feel about all that?
2: And I'm aware of both of these realities, and the the distance between those two was so dramatic, so amazing, so violent, that that really, I could feel the wheels squeaking inside. That was really pulling on it, and I imagine at that point some people break. But I didn't literally go insane. I didn't get lost.
0: So what are you up to these days? watching television,
2: believe it or not. Joseph Wambaugh, police story, got some tremendous insights into it, not just the gimmicks, the actual things, the tidbits that you would pick up from their procedures, but the mechanics behind that, the logic behind it, was I would not allow myself to walk into even a potential trap of behavior. And one of those was talking about those crimes too much to people, initiating conversations about that.
0: Well, thanks for sitting down for this interview with us. been thinking about getting the show on Stitcher. Do you think that's a good idea? I've
2: seen one too many episodes of one too many crime shows where that is one of the available resources.
0: Yeah, I guess maybe we'll look into that. So thanks again for the interview. Hope everything's going well with you. If you ever want to chat again, just let us know. This week's crimes are brought to you by Larry's Bar and Grill, located at 813 West Liberty Street in lovely Medina, Ohio. Larry is cooking up all your favorite seafood, steaks, and burgers, plus all of the drinks that go with them. This month, enjoy some takeout at home with their brand new bourbon barbecue burger, or an eight-ounce filet for only $8.99. Don't forget the sides, appetizers, and desserts. Pair your meal with their best in town steak fries, chips and salsa, or a delicious slice of homemade cherry cheesecake. That's Larry's Bar and Grill for a -a one-of-a-kind treat. These crimes are also brought to you by Aaron's Bar and Grill, located at 815 West Liberty Streets in lovely Medina, Ohio. Aaron is cooking up all your favorite seafood, steaks, and cheeseburgers, plus all of the drinks that go with them. This month. Enjoy some takeout at home with their brand new bourbon barbecue bacon burger or a 9-ounce filet for only $8.98. Don't forget the sides, appetizers, and desserts. Pair your meal with their best-in-town crinkle-cut fries, chips and queso, or a delicious slice of homemade strawberry cheesecake. That's Aaron's Bar and Grill for a -a one-of-a-kind treat. last clip we have for you is from episode two of season four. This is the conclusion of our story about Austin Myers. I'm not sure if many people remember this one, so I thought we'd check it out. Austin and Jamie went over to a friend's house for a winter break event. As was often the case at these kind of events, there was plenty of alcohol. Of course, Jamie had to partake. Friend said this is what led to one of the biggest fights they had ever seen. Austin began accusing her of being an alcoholic and that it was the cause of all of their issues. Jamie, also on the attack, accused Austin of preferring to spend his days playing video games instead of with her. This set Austin off. He took the drink that was in Jamie's hand and threw it into the nearest trash can before stomping off outside to his red pickup truck. Jamie came running after him. Austin barely had time to start the truck and put it in reverse before Jamie was next to him. This was the last time Austin and Jamie would be seen together. The night of the party, Officer Lucas Holmes was doing his normal patrol along Cooper Road in northern Shreveport. He had been an officer for nearly 20 years and had seen it all, He was even a key member of the team that broke the Powers' family disappearance. Cooper Road was a favorite spot of his for a lot of reasons. There wasn't much along this route, except for one important thing. McCain Creek. The creek was a popular dumping ground for people coming off the highway to throw their trash or whatever else they no longer wanted in their vehicle. When they did, Officer Holmes would be there. On this night, it's a good thing he was. At about 12.15 a.m. on December 19th of 2004, a red truck came tearing down the off-ramp onto Cooper Road. Officer Holmes' radar gun showed the truck as traveling at 55 miles per hour, well over the speed limit of 35. He glanced up from the radar gun just in time to see something being thrown from the window of the vehicle. Officer Holmes turned on his lights and pulled in behind the truck which quickly came to a halt along the side of the road. Officer Holmes got out of the car, walked up to the window, and saw Austin Myers by himself inside. Officer Holmes asked Austin where he was going in such a hurry. He explained that he and his girlfriend had been fighting, and that he was on his way home from dropping her off. When asked about the object that was thrown from the truck, Austin said it was his gum that had lost its flavor. Officer Holmes saw a half-used pack of gum inside the vehicle, so the story made sense. After a quick check of his license and registration, Officer Holmes wrote out a ticket for speeding and gave it to Austin, explaining how to go about paying the fine and to keep his gum off the street. Austin would go on to pay the fine within the next week. He and Jamie decided to break up after that. There would be no getting back together this time. Another crime that didn't go unpunished. I believe that will do it for this week's crimes. As always, you can contact our Twitter at A Crime Show if you would like to discuss anything true crime related. Thanks to everyone for all of your support lately, and if you can't eat a lime, don't do the crime. This is a crime show is produced by Ben and Michelle Schmidt, executive producer Matt Reddick, research by Andre Joseph and Theo Christensen. Mixing is by Ed Wynn. Special thanks to Joel Ocelot and all the showers out there. Unfortunately, we are going to have to cancel our live recording we had planned in Vermont, but we will be rescheduling, so hold on to those tickets.